0: Welcome to the Dare to Pivot podcast, a resource for inspiration and encouragement while you're on your path to purpose. The Dare to Pivot podcast is hosted by Waqia Hayward, that's me, and Barbara Wade, two middle-aged sisters who are passionate about having honest, open conversations with each other and special guests about faith, transparency, and living a life of purpose. The Dare to Pivot podcast is rooted in the Christian faith, and we believe that we are all made for a reason and with intention. However, it's up to us to pursue our purpose. By exploring the four foundational pillars of D.A.R.E., which are decisions, actions, results, and evaluations, we're hoping that women will be motivated to actively pursue their own purpose journeys. Join us as we learn together that it is never too late to be great. hi ladies welcome to the data pivot podcast we are super duper duper excited today uh this is wakia your and this host. is
1: barbara whoop whoop all righty barbara who do we have with us today today ladies and gentlemen let me just tell you phenomenal phenomenal experience it's going to be for us today simply because it's phenomenal for me and so i have the <laughs> anticipation that my excitement will yeah, just spill yeah. over and you will feel just how blessed I feel by having Shauna Dry with us today. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Shauna. I'll tell you the public stuff about Shauna and then she's going to share with us some of the private stuff. But let me just start with Shauna and I met about, uh, I want to say 12 years and she'll correct me if I'm off a little, uh, 12 years ago. Uh, she and her husband came to our church for her husband to um, interview for an assistant pastor position. And this is a church that I'd been in for, let's just say at least 15 years at that time. And uh, we met inform- well, we met at a dinner. One of, part of the interviewing process was that couples meet couples in leadership, meet the candidate couples and when i tell you i met shauna at dinner and immediately i knew this was going to be one of my good friends um what is it about her she is just a very genuine um thoughtful caring sincere helpful person and she expresses she listens And she expresses her caring for you by telling you the tough things, but they're always honest and with love. And to have someone like that in my life has been an awesome gift. So not only is she a wife, she's a mother of two now, and uh, she is gonna hopefully talk about her pivot from uh, working in the church to answer one of her life's calls and missions for her in, in counseling. And so without further ado, my great
2: friend, Shawna Dry. Hello. Yay. Thank you for having me. I love you, Barb. I love you too. Thank you <laughs> back. Oh, such a
0: great welcome.
2: Yay.
0: <laughs> you hear all that pressure, Shawna? You hear all that pressure.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Do you want me to just start or do you want to? Okay. So I, um, a little bit about me, I, um, so my husband and I've been married 17 years this year and he's always been a pastor, um, throughout our marriage. So we've, um, served in ministry a long time, but before I met him, I felt a call into like ministry and stepping into things God had for me. And the thing I learned is mine was a little different. It didn't really have this title right away where, you know, when you're a kid and people are like, what are you going to do when you grow up? And you're like, I'm going to be a doctor or a teacher. I feel like I never really had a full answer for that. Um, I just knew God called me to people who were on the fringe, kind of like the people who um, were laid aside in life. They kind of were overlooked. And so that looks like a lot of different things. Um, and um, I tried to just step into the next thing God had for me. Um, and always, it's always been interesting. Um, but um, most recently, I, we were uh, at a church in Maryland where I was on staff and we really felt God just preparing us for a transition or a a change. And we, um, then there was a church in North Carolina, which is actually the area close to the area I grew up in. And it is the town that my husband grew up in. And, um, and there was a a position here and it just kind of happened really quickly. And then, um, COVID happened to the whole world. So, (laughs) so we all, um, So our last Sunday at that church was the, I think it was the eighth, and that was really the last day. I think they may have had church after that, but I don't think they did because everything shut down after that. Um, And then that was our last day there. So we felt like, okay, God, what kind of timing is this? And, um, And then we stayed in Maryland hoping to finish out our kid's school year and we, it didn't really pan out that way, as we all know. Um, but so we ended up moving to North Carolina. But and so I didn't work, I didn't look for employment for a long time. I felt like God just tucked me away and that whole Psalms 91 he kept giving me. And um, and I knew the next thing he was asking of me was to step into um, becoming a licensed counselor and I was terrified of that, but I was like, I knew he, he had been telling me. I felt like that had been a whisper for years and it had been this consistent, um, thing that kept coming up. And, um, so in this season of COVID, while I'm tucked away with my family and just sheltering under his wing, I felt like he just kept taking me back there to that spot, um, And I decided to apply in North Carolina for the licensing here. So there's a whole long fun process when you apply for licensure and -hmm. you have to apply. Anyway, it's just no fun, but Mm -hmm. I did all of that. And I literally remember having almost like a panic attack while I did it. And that's just me being telling the truth because I was like, who am I to do this? And Oh my gosh, I'm really doing this. And I'm going to sit in a room and people are going to look at me for answers and okay Jesus like are you sure and um but I did it I did the application which took me months to complete because of all the processes that go with the application you have to take tests you have to get all these random um references from people I haven't talked to in years but had to track them down so anyway it just took a long time and I just continued to do it you know, chuck away at it. And then, um, we moved to Mer- to North Carolina and I felt like God was still like, no, not yet, not yet. And so I just kept waiting, started to get anxious because I'm like, what is, how are we going to pay for things? And then, <laughs> um, but God kept saying not yet, not yet. And I remember I talked to Barb many occasions about that pause of not yet. And, um, she had, she was in agreement and praying for me that, you know, God was just going to open the right door at the right time. And, um, so I applied for a counseling agency here. I thought, I have no idea that I'll ever get this job because I'm like, ah, here I am. Um, you know, I, I have these experiences and they all bring me to this moment. Um, but this lady, I mean, there was just such alignment on the phone with her. We just had a Mm -hmm. similar heart. And, um, so she brought me in for an interview and hired me right away. And I started taking clients in November and I just knew it was like a green light. I was still anxious. I was still unsure, but about me, but I wasn't unsure about God and the door. And, um, so I just walked through it and now I've been doing it for a few months and, um, and it feels like home in a way. It feels like he's I still desperately need his help every day, and I'm studying all the time, and I'm reading books, and I'm trying to learn all I can from my clients and the things that. But I've I feel like I'm stepping into it. It's just taken some time. So that's a whole lot. I don't know if you. Want me to that's phenomenal. <laughs> that is a that
0: is great. So
2: like that's I'm... the pivot, I guess. <laughs> if you want the pivot, that's the pivot.
0: Wow. <laughs> oh my goodness. I have so many questions, but go ahead, Barbara. Go ahead, give me questions. <laughs> so I'm not
1: going to deny you your questions because I've, I felt like I've lived some of this and it's been an awesome testimony to me about stepping out on faith to be able to see the different steps in the journey and to share with Shauna how she feels mm-hmm. as well as the action steps that aren't even, you know, what she fathoms she would have to do, or need to do, or, you know, somehow it just all came together in the timing. It's just been, a you know, a, a phenomenal journey that I'm, you know, feel privileged to to sharing with her. So Shauna, when you talked about being tucked away, can you describe that a little bit more? Sounds like protection and something comfortable. You know, what came to mind is this osprey nest that this Osprey builds every, I want to say spring, here in, in, you know, where we live, at the top of this light pole, she builds this huge nest, and it becomes a thing, the news come out, and they show that she built her nest, and all that stuff, anyway, and she sits on top of this nest in the spring, and so that's what came to my mind when you were talking about being tucked away, can you describe Mm. it?
2: Yes, so I, um, the when COVID all this you know stuff happened where you know announcements of things closing and I remember going into Walmart and being like oh my gosh everybody's wearing gloves and I don't have gloves and I don't think I should be here and um, <laughs> anyway it was just kind of this overwhelming huge shift that happened. Um, I remember just And uh, like going, okay, God, what is, what do we do right now? And I felt like we've been praying Psalms 91 as a family. I think a lot of people have, um, Mm -hmm. and just praying that over our family. And some of that is just like one pass. one verse says his huge arch outstretched arms protect you Mm -hmm. under them. Mm -hmm. You're perfectly safe. Mm -hmm. His arms fend off all harm.
0: And so I just
2: felt like, okay, God, I'm just going to stay there. I'm going to stay close and let you guide my next steps because part, part of the plan, quote unquote plan we had was that we were going to finish that Sunday. We were going to go on a trip, fun trip. And then um, we were, he was going to start here and we were, the kids and I were going to stay in Maryland and be able to say our goodbyes and So we had this plan and then I was going to look for some remote work I could do from home and, um, just temporarily. And I'm so grateful that that didn't happen that way. I'm not grateful for COVID. I'm not trying to like, (laughs) like, I don't want people to be sick or any of that Mm to happen, but I just, um, I'm grateful for what, for the pause, because Mm -hmm. I would have never created that space. Mm -hmm. God created this little nook. To like love on me, I spent time doing. We, I don't know. We did this vision board at the well. um, With, I don't know if I should give context to that, but we did a vision board with Wakia and Barb at the well with the ladies. And part of my vision board was that I knew I was going to have a little more space after the time at the church. And I Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to do yoga and I'm going to do all these things, knowing that my tendency is not to slow down but to speed up. But then Mm -hmm. God's like, no you're going to slow down. So I did. And so I felt like in that tucking away, so to speak, was just me staying close to him Mm -hmm. and waiting for the next move. And a lot of that time was really just, just being close listening. Um, I did do yoga. I did do some things that were good for me. I, I just went outside with my kids for hours and explored and I didn't worry about, you know, I didn't have work. So I was like, I've never not worked. I, since I was 15, I've worked. I don't know what to do with this. I feel a bit of my self-worth. I didn't know how, so God worked on that during that, like, you know, you're worth, you have worth as a human being, not because of all the things you're doing. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm sure I have a long way to go in understanding and fully accepting that kind of love for me, but it was the beginning of just like, well, here I am, you know, Mm -hmm. he's working on all these little things. So I, I honestly, if I don't, I think if I didn't have that space with him, that sacred space and time, it would have been easy for me to lose my way and go to the next thing. And then I'd feel kind of stuck because I'm kind of loyal. Like, I'm like, I committed to this, I better do it. And I felt like because I didn't have that pressure, it was like, I mean, who's look, it's hard to find a job during COVID unless you're going to deliver food or groceries. So I was like, um, you know, I really was like, I'm not a nurse. Um, just think he's asking me to stay tucked away right now. So does that make sense? Yes, ma'am. Absolutely.
0: so I have a question that sort of mm-hmm. goes that sort of uh goes back before that so when you were still in Maryland and you knew that y'all was in, a, in facing this big transition, and you said at that moment that you sort of knew that there was God had been calling you to go and do the counseling and, and you know it, I guess it had sort of been like a whisper that whole time right and so how how did you get up the courage to sort of move from the thing that you knew as like a comfort zone like working in a church being on church staff, doing those things? that you, you know, you knew to go to now doing this whole different thing that you felt totally unqualified for. You see what I'm saying?
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, what's funny about it is like I, so before I worked at the church, I had worked at the church, at a church before years ago, but then I had worked like state jobs. So I had always had like the job with the benefits for our family mm-hmm. when we were having babies and all that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so when I, started working at the church, there was this huge step of faith that God had, you know, been pushing me to do. And that so that so the steps for me, I feel like I'm always a crock pot and never a pressure cooker. <laughs> it's like super slow. And I feel like he's like, I see you over there. And I always say I'm a shallow to the deep end kind of girl. Mm-hmm. So like I always am like, okay, what is this about? And um I felt like um so what I, I guess we to answer the question is like the steps of faith were slow, but incremental towards the goal. Cause I had finished graduate school eight years before. Wow. Yeah. And um, I had applied. So the whole story is I did a master's of education at Loyola where Barb also went and, um, and I loved, love, loved it. And then I, I did it in school counseling and I applied for every school counseling job I could find. And went on a felt like a hundred interviews, never got the job for like four years, and so I was like, Okay, God, um, I think that's a closed door. <laughs> I tried to break that one down, and then I discovered that really probably wasn't the right fit for me because I would have been stuck in it, I would have just stayed with it because of the benefits and all of that, and um. And there's nothing wrong with being a school counselor. I just think he was like, this is not for you. And he also taught me a lot in that because I had always gone to interviews and got the job. I just didn't. So then I learned, oh, this is like unchartered territory. I'm dealing with all this rejection. And, and then I'm questioning my calling and like, am I supposed to do counseling? And um, so that, that happened for four years while I worked at a high school in a different role. And that role that I was in required just a high school diploma. Wow. So that was super like, (laughs) humbling. So I think he was like constantly like patient with me in this process. But um, at the end of that four years, when I stepped into the church world and worked, um, I felt like I got more courage and I started to see myself in a different light. And um, we, and also Nathan, is my husband, who is also the pastor. He sent us through a lot of word. I mean, a lot of books that were a lot of self work. So a lot of introspective work we did as a staff and it grew me a lot. And, um, because I mean, I had to deal with myself over and over again and let God heal things and give me courage. So I think there was just this incremental process. And, um, so I think, I knew I have always known, I've known counseling for a long time, but what that actually would look like, I didn't know. And the idea of putting myself out there as like a counselor, like why I was like school felt safer. But mm-hmm. this felt like, uh, I got to Like, I had to write a bio the other day about myself. I'm like, I don't know what you want to know about me. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so I wrote it and was like, hope this is what you want to know. But she's like, stop it. And so <laughs> I was like, I'm just telling you, I've never written a bio about myself. So it's just stuff like that that I'm like, I'm, I'm learning. Honestly, I'm seeing God, how he values me through mm-hmm. the process. That's beautiful. So. so, yeah. Uh, that was a long answer that was a great answer <laughs> well, you
1: know i'm reading um jeremiah twenty nine eleven because you were talking about um uh plans god's plans, mm-hmm. and this is the message version which is just um i think it it speaks exactly to what you're talking about um I know what I'm doing, I have it all planned out, plans to take care of you, not abandon you, plans to give you the future you hope for. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen, when you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. And this sounds like to me, a culmination of all those experiences You've had employment-wise leading up to where you are now, mm-hmm. and I'm like, wow, that's phenomenal,
0: <laughs> and I'm excited to see it come to pass. I I definitely think too. I think just to piggyback on that, when you said that, when you said, they um, said, when you get serious about finding me right and i can just mm-hmm. see how and all and all that pursuing like you know going to school first and then looking for all the jobs and then taking this job and doing this mm-hmm. and it's just like i was like Mm-mm, not yet <laughs> you're right. not quite serious yet right. but then once you start doing all that self-work you know like right. you saying like all the you know dealing with all your stuff and all your junk and all your gunk then i, that, I was like okay now you're ready right. and wow. then you found a so job true. in the middle of covid <laughs> you know right. what i'm saying right it's true right. Yeah. And then I think taking
1: that time, that space you were talking about, right, when the world shut down <laughs> yeah. for self, um, self-activities, self spending, you know, fun times. We, we talked about having fun and not recognizing what that should look like, mm-hmm. what that looks like during daylight, you know, <laughs> we're used mm-hmm. to working and squeezing everything in after school, after activities, after work but to have that time during daytime, you yeah. know, you see your kids in a whole different light. <laughs> um, you, yeah. know, you, you see that you do have more time and energy. So to actually take advantage of that time to, to do the yoga, to do the reading, um, that was all part of the plan,
2: mm-hmm.
1: in my opinion, for you to have that space. And then you took advantage of it. Uh, when the time presented itself, even though you probably doubted and felt a little guilty about doing, and I'm doing air quotes, nothing. (laughs) because You weren't weren't working, right? We talked about that, finding our value in some type of work or ministry. And so if we're not doing that, we feel like we're doing nothing. Mm -hmm. But that was um, giving you a respite to re-energize and to, just feel good about yourself, probably letting your body heal and rejuvenate itself to get ready for what he had planned. And so you paying attention to that, I think was uh, just part of the, so he gave you the space, gave you direction and you took advantage of it. And so now you can uh, get the reward from entering into this new season, um, you know, 100% ready. Yeah. And so I believe that's why it came because you were 100% ready. You did all the things he asked you to do to be prepared for this time. And so that's phenomenal. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think um, he he's so patient, I feel like with me, but I'm like, I um, I've always been a doer. So I think that the stopping to be and to allowing, to allow him to love me while I'm just being, was Mm -hmm. such a, is a change of pace Mm -hmm. for me, Um, even though I know he's always been loving me for, you know, just because of who he is,
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
2: but to actually stop and just soak that in is just different than the constant going and doing, and the, you know, the, the staying, I felt like I was staying close to him, but I wasn't soaking it in just mm. sitting and like gosh he just loves me he just wants me to I, I was like I still can't believe he gave me all that time to just be it was mm-hmm. just I mean we were moving we had two kids I was I wasn't just sitting I wish you know like in some ways I was but I probably would have been <laughs> like really going nuts at that point
0: <laughs> but um
2: like I really got some really cool time with my kids mm-hmm. helped stabilize the move for them and things that I just didn't even know they needed or I needed so right. our family needed so right. Right, yeah.
1: right, right
2: right, so do you miss working in the
0: church environment well, I, well so I would think that you know it's almost like doing pastoral care in, in some regards right the whole counseling thing on the outside is there a big difference in that or was you able to use some of those skills from that experience into the world role the world you are
2: in now Oh yeah, absolutely. I can, I think all the experiences have been building. I mean, I worked in a, in higher ed before with a really diverse um, group of faculties so that would taught me a lot. I worked in um, at the community college there and I worked with nonprofits. So I learned a lot about that. And then I worked um, at the church and um, at a high school. So all of these things have kind of been like all these little bits of knowledge. I'm like, Oh God, I see how you were doing all these <laughs> different things. Um, but yeah, it is hard to detox a bit from church work because church work, I, I love it, but it also was, um, is pretty constant. It was hard for me to disengage from it. Um, and this type of work, I mean, I have an hour with my client. I do I do pray for them beforehand and I do, um, you know, talk to God about how to, what do we do next here? You know, and that sort of thing, but I don't, I don't carry it. Um, there have been a couple that I feel like I'm carrying a bit that I'm having to go remind myself to give it to God, but I do feel like the boundaries currently that tried to set up some boundaries in the front end, um, that I normally am not as quick to set up but I set them up on the front end that way. Hopefully I can do the marathon instead of the sprint. So, um, but I do, I do miss church work. I mean, my husband's a pastor here, so I'm still somewhat involved, but I'm trying to be really intentional about what I decide to do and what I don't. Um, So I hope did that answer it.
0: It did. It did. I, it it just, it just made me think about how, you know, to, um, I like how you said it was so church work is more constant. Like, you know, it is more, it's, it's more constant. So with this, with your counseling job, you sort of can have the flexibility to sort of turn it off, at least try to.
2: Yeah.
0: Turn it off.
2: Yeah. yeah I feel like I am. And I also, I feel like that's been the bat. Like I, I'm working. And the the other piece that's really cool about how God answered this prayer was like about what the next step was, is that this job. No, honey, sorry, sorry, my kids are coming. Um, but the cool thing about how God answered the prayer is that this job. Um, and Barb, I, I know many times would encourage me to just keep praying, keep waiting, and um, this job allows me to work when my kids are at school. So I pick them up, um, my husband takes them and I pick them up every day. Um, I'll, and the only day I'm there longer is Thursday. And, um, and that's it. And then on Tuesdays I get out early enough where I can go to lunch with someone if I want, um, like someone from the church and that's what I've been trying to use that time for. I still have a little bit of time on the other days to run an errand or two before I pick up my kids. So it's been great. Um and I'm not looking to add any more hours and so um, I think this is what I can manage right now. We're um, mm-hmm. starting out so there's been some boundaries on the front end that uh, and because of those boundaries I was able to take a job that met all the things I was praying for um, that wow. I could be with my kids and mm-hmm. that I could be. You know, because a lot of I was like, probably not many people go to counseling during the day, and then she was like, no, if that's the hours you want to work, there are people that will come here. I was like, uh, okay, well, that's what I want to work. So <laughs>
0: wow.
2: So it's been really cool, and yeah, and then some people are like, you won't make any money for a while, and I'm like, okay, well, and it's been it's been exactly what we've needed. Um, like I'm making exactly what we needed, so I felt like, okay, God you knew, you knew what, um, what we needed. So, so that's been super, I'm glad I waited. So didn't rush it. So I
0: think that's so great just to see how faithful God is right. In that mm. moment. Cause he knew, like he knew, like, he was like, you know, everybody was saying what this, that, and the third, but God knew he was like, no, I'm gonna give you exactly what you need. Don't worry about that.
2: Exactly.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. so how does this, this, um, i don 't want to say ending, but this phase of your faith faith journey inspire you to pray for your next thing or have oh you God. even gotten to that are you are you um, resting in the season you have now or are you at a have you gotten to a reflective point of God has has shown up? you know, this past year in ways I couldn't even um, fathom. I'm going to now attempt to apply this same type of faith to X. Have you, have you gotten to that place or are you um,
2: just staying current in the moment? Well, I think there's a little bit of dreaming that we do. So we started doing something. Um, we're trying to be very intentional here. Um, as we start out, um, we're doing an emotionally healthy spirituality class with, um, people from the church who wanted to opt into it. And it's on Wednesday nights and it's, um, it's, it's a book by Pete Scazzaro. It's a whole, anyway, it's awesome. But bottom line is it integrates, um, basically faith and how, um, the counseling world, psychology, how they're integrated and how we need both and you can't be emotionally healed. Uh, if you're not, if you're, I'm sorry, let me say it a different way. Um, your spiritual life and your emotional life, they intersect. And so you can't be, be like, well, I'm spiritually healed, but I'm not emotionally healed. Mm -hmm. Both are so connected that in order to be healed, we have to be emotionally healed as well. And Mm -hmm. so it takes people on a journey with the Bible and what God has to say about that and how we just keep, stay close to him so he can do the healing work and he can teach us. And so it's been great because it's his, all of Pete Scazzaro stuff is about slowing down to reconnect. And so that's what we're just starting out with as a church and, um, with this group of people that have opted in and Nathan and I both felt an alignment with that and an alignment with what God's been doing in us. So even when we go to teach it, we're like, we've, we've been dissecting this stuff for four years. Like, you know, it's like in us, it's like in our DNA at this point. And we're not perfect at it, but like, we are really, we've digested it. So it's been really cool to see, wow, God, you can even use the things that we felt like were super hard and so challenging to walk through emotionally. And now you're, you're actually using those things to help other people who are starting that journey with God. And mm-hmm. um, so I think we, we kind of have dreamed about what else that could look like because I think we both have a passion for, um, people that are far away from God or people who have been in ministry and burned out Mm -hmm. because we know that there's a lot of stigma with that. And burnout usually ends up looking like something that people didn't intend to land at. They didn't intend to land in an affair or, you know, this other, there's a little, there's a lot of bad coping that's going on for a long time. Um, so like a way to help people journey through that. So we've been praying about what God, what would that look like to help people who um, either reconstruct their fate? Um, and I don't know, that's a little further down the road for us, but we are passionate about that. And we are passionate about the loss. One of the things I love about the place I'm working is it's, I know this sounds bad, but it's not a Christian Counseling Center. So, like, what I love about that is that people are far away from God. A lot of people who are walking in, and and I get, and they're, I'm praying for them every time I meet with them, Mm -hmm. myself. And then I'm asking God for help because He knows them and He loves them. And I know the Holy Spirit is doing things that I can't see, but He knows them and loves them. So He's way better at taking care of them than I. (laughs) So I'm just excited to see what that looks like you know so um anyway I hope that like I think that's that's not really clear like we don't have this like five-year plan Mm -hmm. but I think there's a heart for the lost and a heart for helping people reconstruct things that feel like they were deconstructed like Mm -hmm. your fate sometimes gets deconstructed because you had a crisis and you don't Mm -hmm. know how to reconstruct it Mm -hmm. people walk away from God and um we don't want that and we see right. that a lot with people in ministry. They, it re, you know, they, it's hard to reconstruct. And um, so anyway.
1: Well, have you had that revelatory moment yet? Because you spoke about this being a non-Christian counseling center, mm-hmm. your, first, your first counseling job. But then you also, in your introduction, talked about you recognized early <laughs> that part of your purpose was, you know, reaching those that, um, either don't know God or, you know, were separated from God. And so you've come full circle in this profession. Um, have you had that revelatory moment yet?
2: So, um, what's interesting is right now I'm counseling, this is the age range a five year old and a 70 year old. So um this there's a large age range right now. And so the way we've kind of operated and the way I'm allowed to operate there is if someone brings up their fate and they want to use it in the counseling session, we can. Mm-hmm. So I have a couple clients who have done that. Um but the ones that I get a little more like I'm excited about that. Don't get me wrong. I'm excited because it's like it's fun. It's like, ooh, okay, good. Let's talk about that. And, um, and I've seen God do some really like one client. I have just such a bonding we've had over the word, over what God's doing in her life. And, um, it's been a, it's been a really cool bonding. So the bonding that I've experienced with the one client has been very cool. And I've seen God really do that. And then, um, there's a client I have who's, um, really young and, Dealing with a lot of grief, and I mean, really, really resistant. A lot of behavior stuff in the beginning, and man, this this child has turned 180. And it's like this completely. There's like he's been able to talk about grief and um, what he's experienced with the loss of his father, and just like we've done a book. I mean, it's just been like really amazing and I just have to know I have to believe that's the Holy Spirit because
1: Mm
2: he um you know he does the heart work best so I I feel like all of this work is a lot of heart work and a lot of head work and so um I just I'm believing that he's he's going before me and he's um you know giving me what I need there are days when I reflect back and go okay well let's do that differently but um, overall, I feel just at peace that he's he's there and um, working, so. Well, that sounds phenomenal to
1: have your, your work, your literal work, something's providing you income that's also incorporates your passion. Mm-hmm. And you can, on a daily basis, feel like God is helping you do the job. You know, because for me, that that's... I'm imagining that's the feeling of knowing that you're doing God's work when you have to depend on Him, <laughs> on um, a daily basis yeah. to get the job done. You know, it's not yeah. just a special project; it's not just a ministry. There's nothing wrong with those. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I know I haven't had that professional experience mm. where you know God. I feel God is there with me to help me use what He has given me, but I know He's there producing mm. the results. You know, yeah. so uh, that that just must be a, a an awesome feeling.
2: Yeah, I feel i i I think I was I was. Um, there's days when I'm like, you know, there's days we all have where we're like, uh, but <laughs> overall, I would say most days I leave and I just go, wow, I don't even know how I get to do this. Like, <laughs> kind of like a little bit of um, like this should be, I mean, it is hard work. Like, I think that's the thing about, um, therapy that, you know, may go unnoticed is the amount of work a therapist puts into even seeing their client. Like when my clients are reading a book, I'm reading the book because I'm wanting to know what they're processing. Um, Mm -hmm. so we can talk about it. And so I think I've, I've, um, and I know what it's like to sit in the seat and Be the client, and there's a lot of um, I think God taught me a lot through that too, so that I can I know how vulnerable it has to feel, and all of those things when you first walk in and how awkward it is, and you're like, What am I supposed to talk about? and then somehow you feel the whole time, and you're like, Can I have more, you know, because you just want to tell them, you just want to get all that stuff out, so um, yeah, it feels like a privilege, so.
0: I I, I do have one question I think how do you deal with when people especially you know in in a church environment right so most times most Christians are not really thinking about going to therapy because they like well no I can just pray about it and take it to God
2: yeah
0: right so (laughs) (laughs) truth so what is your answer for that like when people talk like when you hear Um, saints or whatever say, Christians say that this is what they should do, or this is, you know, I don't really believe in therapy. I'm going to just take it to God. And then as you being a one pastor's wife, so you understand that role and then, you know, you understand what that looks like. And then you're also a therapist. So how does that play out? Like, what do you say?
2: So I'm learning how that plays out. Um, I think um, I kind of, well, what I've actually said, and I actually said it to someone today, I said, the more I learn from, and I mean in the, the, you know, in the experiences I've had, the more I learn about psychology, and even if you look at research um, that people have done, it confirms what the Word of God says. Hmm. So I don't see them in conflict. I see them in unity. And I think, um, I think they're, that they actually, it's such a compliment. Um, it it confirms what God's word says. He heals. Sometimes healing is slow. Sometimes it's a process. He is our counselor. Like it's like so many confessing our sins brings healing to the body. Yes. That's what your counselor would say. That's what your AA sponsor would tell you. Mm -hmm. It's like the, they confirm over and over the word of God and some of the work that like of Pete Scazzaro, and then like Henry Cloud. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him. I'm reading a book actually that someone I'm seeing, uh, a client is reading, and um, she basically was like, I love this book. You should read it. So I was like, okay, so I'm just starting it, but basically he talked about how those two worlds were in the church world. There's a lot of you know, people who believe you can only be in one camp or the other. And he's a, he's a Christian psychologist. So he's like, um, he, he talks about his own journey with it and how, um, and actually I have the book right in front of me, but he says the bottom line he has found is he believes that emotional wholeness lies in the working out of the image of God within us. Mm. And I was like, man, that is it Mm -hmm. because when we're working out and letting the image of god come out mm-hmm. our stuff can get in the way it's the only mm-hmm. way to get that image out is to get that flesh off and um and i think that brings a lot of people into therapy cuz our yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah that's why yes. we're there
0: that's why we're yes.
2: there that's yep. why we're there and <laughs> yep. um cuz it's, it's our flesh is overgrown and it's become so Bed and you know we we're trying to get it off, or there's wounds that need healing, and there's things that are holding us back from all the things God has for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but he went on his own journey with that, and he said over the years, God graciously just answered that prayer he had of why are these worlds in conflict, and why can I not find fullness and healing in just one? But he needed both, and. Um, So I just, so I have really enjoyed his work because of that, because, and my own experience has been the same. You know, I have seen God heal me instantaneously from some emotional stuff, but I've Mm -hmm. also seen him walk with me in a slow incremental process of emotional healing. So -hmm. I think they're both healing. One does not negate the other or they're both can coexist and it doesn't Mm -hmm. threaten the other.
0: Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. Hmm. I think I like that imagery, right? And I think what I'm hearing, and so you correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. um, is that you know, where God can just heal you, you know, like you said, he's healed you in some immediate stuff, but then you, he almost sends us therapists or allow people to be therapists to walk us, walk with us when it's gonna be slow going. You yeah. know what I'm
2: saying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like um there's um so. Uh, one ca- one uh, professor I had in graduate school, she talked about the transitional object. So, you know, as a kid, um, they leave their mom and they need something or their dad and they leave something, they need like a blanket or something to hold on to sometimes to help them cope with the like their parent going into, you know, going to work or something. So that becomes a transitional object that helps them transition. And so she talked about how we are the transitional object for people as therapists. Mm
1: -hmm. They need
2: someone to just grab hold of when, when whatever has they worked before quit working or whenever they have tapped out on all the coping mechanisms they could come up with, or they just reached an end, they need someone to help them through that transition. Mm -hmm. And that's what she saw the role of the therapist. And I was like, that is beautiful because that's what I mean what a gift to be with people in their most vulnerable space and they let you into that and I feel like that is such a privilege and not a right it's totally a privilege and mm-hmm. you just go God I don't I need you for this because this is your girl and you know what mm-hmm. she's going through and um, I've seen mm-hmm. him just you know teach me about that
0: so, so you're saying you're officially like Linus Linus's blanket a 100
2: percent. <laughs> you, you know, can't keep the blanket forever. There does right. a right, when you go, okay, it's time to lay the blanket down. Got yeah,
1: transition to something else, huh?
2: Yeah. Yeah, transition. <laughs> but that, maybe you're stronger now than you were before, and you didn't even know you got stronger along the process. So, right, yeah.
0: oh, that is so good. That is so good. Well, that is a,
1: a way to help, um, maybe encourage folks to. Consider counseling those that don't see the connection or um, are a little afraid of seeing the value and having someone else um, here and and, and uh, take that journey with them as they as they open up to deal with those wounds. Um, it's, a, it's a nice way to explain um, needing to transition from, okay, you've been coping on your own, doing X, y, or Z and um either through uh, maturation process mm-hmm. or you have exhausted the benefit of that coping mechanism 100%. it's time to transition <laughs> yeah. onto something else mm-hmm. um yeah. and so maybe they will you know find some some comfort or just give it a uh, give it a chance
2: yeah and i i think for me the um I didn't grow up with counseling in my world. My parents didn't go to counseling. My parents white knuckled through life a lot. So I white knuckled until my knuckles just <laughs> so <laughs> a little too white. You're just like, this didn't work it for me anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was a different type of work God called me to. And he had to teach me about that. Then my parents worked a specific type of a job that they came home and then they didn't think about it anymore, you know, and so um, this is an emotional job being in ministry. It's very emotionally taxing, spiritually taxing, it's all the taxing. Um, and so, I mean, I think it was hard for me to go to counseling. I didn't go till a couple of years ago. So, um, and I probably needed to go long ago. Um, but it was good for me to sit in the seat and something I, I tell people, and I don't know if this is something that every person would tell someone to do, but if you're scared of counseling, um, one of the best things I ever went to in graduate school was NA and AA meetings. I just went and I sat and I listened. And, um, there's something just amazing and spiritual that happens in that room because people share their vulnerable stuff and once you sit in a room and you don't have to say anything you can always just say I'm here to observe and you don't have to share your name um you can drive to one far out of town but the experience of of watching and being a part of a community that is vulnerable truly vulnerable with each other um normalizes that we're all struggling and um and we're all dealing with different things and we need each other and we need community and we need space to share those things. And so, um, that was one of the best things I ever did was sit in, in NA and AA meetings. It was one of, it broke through a lot of my pride because my first thought was all oh, people are going to think I'm an alcoholic here. I to see people I know. Well, I needed to break down that pride anyway. I needed to be humble. And so, um, So I just sat with that and I sat and observed what I was feeling and noticed, man, this is so amazing. There's so much healing happening in this room and they are not caught up in all the, I I think sometimes in church, we can miss this kind of treasure Mm -hmm. uh, because we're more concerned, not all, but in a lot of places of worship, we've kind of, I think we can miss it because we think we're, more concerned about the polished product of like we look like we have it all together instead of the vulnerable of oh god i need this community of faith to surround me i'm truly struggling and so um anyway it's like oh no
0: Both my parents are are recovering addicts. And one of the things that I remember my mom um, used to tell me, because I obviously, you know, when she, my mom got clean, you know, just helping her go through her her 12 steps, right? And Mm -hmm. and, and everything. And I remember there's a saying that I guess they say in in NA, which is you can't save your face and your tail too. (laughs) So you have to make a decision. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't, (laughs) you can't save both of them. It's you're right so <laughs> right, right, you know, so you can't save your tail, your face and your tail too, so you right. have to make a decision what you're gonna do, and my mom um Sorry. her drug- her drug of choice was was crack, and she would say stuff like you know sometimes you have to have a pride of a crackhead, and a crackhead don't have any pride, like they' gonna do what they need to do, and that's mm-hmm. what you gotta be if you want to mm-hmm. get out of that and you want to be better and you want to get better, you have to literally just. Give it all you got, like everything. Mm-hmm. And I love that that um, you know, just watching my mom or experiencing it with my mother um to go through those steps. Like, um, it is such a like you right. That's the first time I've ever seen the true art of being vulnerable because you have to be there. You know what I'm saying? Or I, do. I don't remember what step it is, but I know it's one step where they have to go and apologize.
2: Mm-hmm. Extremely mm-hmm. humbling.
0: Yeah. yeah, extremely humbling. Mm-hmm. um yeah so it's, it's it's really some really 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 um good stuff and hard stuff though let's be clear
2: yeah. it's yeah. hard stuff cuz you you go to make amends and people are not i mean there's sometimes some things are very 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 challenging to for someone to forgive and then if even forgiveness is available how to even move forward in that relationship may not be possible so it's so challenging for them to be that vulnerable i think it's i have so much to learn from people who have been in recovery i feel like they they teach me a lot yes
0: yeah absolutely so i think it is so wonderful to have um people like you who will decide to who who decide to walk alongside Mm -hmm. (laughs) anybody who's in the middle of struggle Right, right. because you decide you are doing that consciously. Like you're saying, this is what I am choosing to do. When the rest of the world is thinking about fun and how can I have fun? How can I have fun? You're like, mm. No, what I do is not fun. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, it's rewarding. I'm not saying it's not rewarding, but when, a, when the rest of the world is thinking, wow, what can I do to have fun? I want to have a job that I have fun doing it and it's and it pays me well. You're you pretty much told us in this whole conversation, it doesn't pay as great and it's not fun. So <laughs>
2: there's that so um with the Enneagram I don't know if I, if y'all have talked about that at all We haven't. I'm definitely a one so um and uh, it took me a while to p- agree with that but I am um, that's because I'm a one it takes a while for us to agree with a lot mm-hmm. of things but um the um but I just love I actually find so much fun it's so silly and like in the, the um improving things and you, you i know your husband's a one Mark yes he is. So mm-hmm. improving things for people oh my gosh it's fun for me and it's like, it? oh it's it's God. fun for the ones it's not usually fun for everybody else though i know it's weird for <laughs> <laughs> so the receiving, <laughs> those on the receiving. Right. <laughs> and, and, and we love for it to matter i've always wanted my work to matter and so I think that was the hard thing about when I worked in the high school, I was always looking for ways for my job to matter. And it did. I'm not trying to say it didn't, but there was a lot of junk that didn't matter. And, um, I just wanted it to matter. And, and I, um, Anyways, I think that's part of my. It's a weird bend to be a one because we are we find fun in weird ways. True. <laughs> listen, I think that's every enneagram
0: number, right? Whenever you go yeah. to any enneagram type, all, all of us have the things yeah. that we think are fun. Yeah. And no one else does. That's what I'm saying. true. You're right. You're right. <laughs> but I think the world who is listening can definitely agree that basically going to work every day, listening to other people's troubles. Mm, <laughs> yeah no like it's not and then you're doing it not only are you doing it in real life like as your day job but then you still turn around and do it in your spiritual community as well you know what i'm saying so it yes. is just a when yes. i tell you that your shoulders are so extremely broad and strong child mm. now <laughs> while Ooh. you may not think so no really it was like as you were talking <laughs> as all you was talking through all those moments of all the different things you've done I can literally hear like when David went to go fight Goliath and and he was like, I fought the lion, I fought the bear. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you was being prepared for all of that doing all that time yeah. and all those seasons. So now that you're here, when everybody else is trying to tell you to put on all this stuff, you get you some stones and you knocking people down with stones. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, like I, like that. I mean, good. it's just like that's just how that looks to me. You mm-hmm. know, and and it's so wonderful and um I'm sure, you know, people like me are so happy that you're deciding to stand in that gap and mm-hmm. decide to be that blanket for people because, um, you know, it's needed. Like we yes. all need it every now and again. Every now and again. That's Whether so we good. realize we need it or not, mm-hmm. we all need it. Like I remember when I first went to counseling, I think I went to, I went to counseling, When I finally decided to go to counseling and really pay attention to what I was doing, because at first it was just a joke. But when I really decided to go and really pay attention to what I was doing, it was really because it was like something in me that was wrestling, something that was like you said, the flesh part of me that was living best life, and then that spiritual part of me saying something is not quite right, and I just couldn't seem to get the both to match. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And a counselor is the person who sort of comes in and can gently (laughs) correct and say, "Huh." So why is that? Why why is that there? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like why are you living in that space, and why is it okay? And you've just you know I had gotten so used to just being a certain way, thinking it's just the right way to be, where in truth, the God in me is
2: saying, but it doesn't have to be that way.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely, I agree. Yeah. It doesn't, and I think sometimes um, we end up places we never meant to be because we you know, we're dealing with trauma or pain in ways we, we didn't mean to deal with them. So, um, I think sometimes just somebody else saying, Hey, there's a different way. Yes. Like, Oh, is there, I didn't know that because no one taught, you know, may have, it may have been modeled. It may not have been seen. It may not have been nurtured. I think mm-hmm. that nurturing piece is so it gets missed sometimes and, um, in kids. So, they had to grow up fast and when you grow up fast you don't get some of those opportunities to pause and even have it feel like you have a choice so exactly and if you grew up like you said you said your your parents grew
0: up white knuckling it the whole time if that's yeah. the way your parents grew up and if that's the way you seen your aunties and everything doing it, your uncles doing it your cousins grew up they were still white knuckling it why would you Go think ahead. there was anything else to do but
2: white knuckle like that's right. how it works you see what i'm saying yeah that's the norm <laughs> that's the norm it's, it's weak to say you need something or you can't do something yes weakness so I struggled to ever say that. And then I, you know, I definitely had to honor that and I'm still having to honor continually work at honoring that. So like, I love what I'm doing, but it is taxing. Like today was a heavy day and I felt heavy, but something I learned in ministry and I'm learning all the time. I have to remind myself of it is I used to pray with people at the altar before COVID and now we don't pray at the altar very much with people mm-hmm. because of that. But Um, that will change, but, um, and some people would just bring you something so heavy and I used Mm -hmm. to carry it Mm -hmm. and I would go, God, how can I help? What can I do? And then I felt like the Holy Spirit just gently said to me, that's my part. Mm. So what I learned to pray and I'm still learning to pray and remind myself that I am not Jesus and he has a part and I have a part. And this person, and maybe I have a part, sometimes I don't even have a part, but to pray for this person, maybe that's all the part I have is to have faith with them in this moment and partner with their faith. But sometimes it's not mine to carry or to even do anything with. So I used to pray a lot with people, God, show me my part, show me their part and God, you do your part. Like, yes. cause he is so much better at doing his part. <laughs> we, we try to do our part, his part, everybody's part. And it's so messed up when we do that. So he's always, he's been teaching me how to right size Shauna. What is your part? Maybe your part is just to pray with them and to love them in this moment. That may be the only moment I'm asking of you, but when they leave, let me handle the rest. And mm-hmm. so it helped me because I was just carrying it carrying it carrying it and i'm like why am i carrying all this <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not mine you know it's like carrying people's luggage for them and then you just keep getting more and you're like okay i had some luggage somewhere i don't know where <laughs> and then you angry because you carry everybody back. else's stuff <laughs> yeah. yes yeah
1: well miss shauna Dry,
2: oh, it has
1: been a blessing mm. To have you share with us this evening, um, yes, I, I'm just uh, I, I, I received more than I felt like I gave.
0: <laughs> you and so I, thank ma'am. you,
1: I thank you for having your an an open heart and an open mind to um, just using your experience to benefit uh, the life of someone else. But that sounds like that's your life that's that's your life work anyway so i thank you for for doing that in this setting um as as you do um every day in in, in your vocation so I'm, I'm thankful for you and i'm thankful for this time mm. yes thank I've, you so much